Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Stay tuned for today's sermon. Enjoy, and God bless. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're here. Um, Are y'all ready for the word? I'm telling you, everybody was all up in the message tonight, and I love when that happens. Because you know that you know that you know he's doing a thing. Amen? Well, a man walked in a flower shop and he said, I have $5. What can I get for $5? And the owner looks at him and he said, well, Kim's got that look like nothing. The owner looks and the guy said, well, you can get a dozen carnations or you can get one rose. And he says, you mean I can get a dozen carnations, 12 flowers, or I can give her one? He said, that's right. The guy said, that doesn't make any sense. He said, oh yeah, it's really simple. The scent of a carnation doesn't last very long. You see, it's sweet for a moment. And then there's no longevity. On the other hand, a rose is known for its ongoing scent. Even when you think it's dead, it can be crushed, turned into potpourri, and be at its finest. Ladies, you are roses. Amen? Amen. Look at you, Deborah. Say, girl, you smell good. Father, we thank you so much for tonight, Lord. Lord, I thank you for laughter because, sir, it does good like a medicine to our soul. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. I ask you to hover over this place tonight. I pray that you would hide me behind your anointing and that your word would be heard and not my own. Sir, whichever direction you go, I'm right behind you. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 We're supposed to have a really cute graphic, but... Hmm. Girl, I believe that shoe is your size. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Just a quick background before we really jump in tonight. God had called his people, the Jews, out of captivity in Egypt. They had been captive for a hundred years, and God brought them to the promised land, and he gave them a land and a king, and he made them into a nation. And once, but, but although he did those things, they turned against him. Do you remember the story? And he allowed them, watch this, he allowed them to go into captivity once again. That's hard to hear that. Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian army invaded Israel. They had reduced Solomon's temple to ashes, and they had taken many of the Jewish people back to Babylon as captives. This is the condition that Ezekiel is in tonight. The nation of Israel, well, it's dead. Our teaching portion tonight is going to come from Ezekiel chapter 37, and we're going to begin in verse 1. And don't sigh before I get started because you've heard this story, because I'm telling you, I'm about to take it somewhere else. You ready? Dry bones. Don't even give me the look. All right? Valley of dry bones. The hand, this is verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Oh, I love that. The hand of the Lord 
was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. Now, I want us to look at this phrase before we even get started good. And that is the hand of the Lord was upon me. It is used three times in the book of Ezekiel. It is used in 1-3, and it says, The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi. I just want to say bougie right there. Bougie right there. It's so funny, but it's not. It's boozy. Anyway, in the land of the Chaldees and by the Kabar Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him. Okay, chapter 8-1. In the sixth year of the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah, sitting before me, the hand of the Lord God fell upon me right there. That's the second time. And the, here's the third time. You just heard it. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Chapter 37, verse 1. Every time that phrase is used in the book of Ezekiel, it is because he is having a visionary encounter. So three times there are visions that are taking place in the book of Ezekiel. So what we're going to talk about tonight was in fact a vision. So chapter 37, 1 through 10 is a vision. God's own power, which is the Holy Spirit, this is what happened. Oh, I love this story. The Holy Spirit takes charge of Ezekiel's mind. Hold on to that just a minute. He takes hold of Ezekiel's mind. And he transports him to another place for the purpose of revelation. Because he's going to impart something into him that he doesn't yet know. Sometimes God has to pick you up out of the very place where you're standing and move you so that you can hear him or so that he can show you a thing. Did you see that? Let's continue verse two. And he led me around among them. We're talking about the bones. Now the Lord did not lead Ezekiel over them. He did not allow him to hover and look below. It's not what it says. Why? Hmm. He allowed him to meander through the valley. Now, he was a priest, so he couldn't touch the bones. Keep that in mind, okay? He couldn't touch them because that was dead. But I can just see him. There's a femur over there. There's a skull over there. You see, these bones were not buried, and they were not piled on top of each other. That's significant. They are strewn for miles, a limb, an arm, a leg, a, a skull, a spine. They're scattered everywhere. It's an absolute disaster. But that is what the Lord wanted him to see. I have to ask this question, because as I was studying, this is what the Lord said to me. How often do you do the very same thing? How often, he's talking to me, how, not you, how often do we walk through Bridge Street? Do we walk through the grocery store? Do we walk through Target? Do we, how often do we walk avoiding each other? You see, avoiding the dead. That's what he asked me. Because that's exactly what Ezekiel was doing. Hmm. 
side by side as far as his eyes could see. And we're told that they were very dry. He was taken in a vision to a valley filled with human bones that were dried, bleached, and scattered. They were bleached as a result of long exposure to the atmosphere or environment. Ladies, if you stay too long in an environment that is unhealthy, it will destroy you. You will die. You will find yourself bleached and dead, whether it's in the physical. Are you following me? Sometimes it can destroy you. Sometimes it only destroys your dreams. Only. Sometimes it takes your life if you surround yourself with things that are unhealthy. Who is saying what about you, to you and over you? It will impact you. If you surround yourself with people that are struggling with the very same things that you are, how are they going to help you? That femur could not help that skull. If you surround yourself with people that are struggling, negativity, for example, how are they going to ever pull you out? Because that's all you surround yourself with. I'm going to leave that right there. And he led me around and among them. God caused the prophet to pass back and forth amongst them. So when he asked me, do you... How often do you do the same thing? My first thought was, I would never. And this is what he said. This is where he took me. Well, are you moved by what you see? Jesus was. He wept over Jerusalem. Paul did, and his heart's desire and prayer for the nation was that they would be saved. So then that took me here. When I see death, do I pray for their soul or do I just walk around it? Very convicting. He worked me over on this one. The bones were characterized as very dry, indicating that they had been there for a while. This was not a brand new battle he was witnessing. It had tarried a while. You know, if, the phys- if you ask a physician, they will tell you that there are different levels of death. Different levels of death. Death happens when the heart stops. You can be brain dead and still be breathing. <laughs> but these bones, they were described as very dry. They were not moist and decaying. They were very dry. I'm pretty sure that a dog wouldn't want these bones. No marrow. Ezekiel was not looking at the results of the battlefield and saying, Oh my gosh, look at the harvest! Do we? So he's standing there observing all the death 
They're not buried. They're surrounding him. And he's standing there looking at all this death. And can you imagine? He's going, nothing good's going to become of this. And all of a sudden, this is what he hears. Son of man, can those bones live? The purpose of the question was to hear his response. I really believe that. If anyone else had asked him that question, what do you think he would have said? Uh, nope. But you see, he had been up really close and personal to death. And he'd been up close recently. You see, his wife dies in chapter 25. And he is hopeless to turn it around. So he understands death clearly. You know, there's a great number of what I'm talking about in the church today. People are down in the valley with no spiritual strength or meat to cover their frames and nothing but bones. You know, as I was studying, the Lord said to me, these folks that you're talking about that are dead, this is a heavy word tonight, isn't it? I've wrestled all week with this word because it's heavy. But it's truth. This is what he showed me. The folks that you're talking about, they haven't said hallelujah or amen in years. Yet they're in the church every time the doors open. They don't shout. They don't clap. And honestly, if they could stop those around them, they would. And if you listen really close... I think you can hear the bones rattling under their clothes. But we would have to open our ears and listen for that, wouldn't we? You know, when we say that a situation or a person is hopeless, I believe we're slamming the door in the face of God. And some of us have a hopeless situation tonight. We feel hopeless. Don't raise your hand. But some of us feel hopeless tonight. So he said, son of man, can these bones live? And he said, Lord, only you know that. I couldn't possibly know that. Now, he didn't choose to be in the valley with all this death. Sometimes we end up there and we didn't choose that. It wasn't what we wanted. He said, I've been led by the Spirit what the scripture says. The spirit led me here, not to the green pastures, but to the valley of death. Ooh, that's heavy, isn't it? Mm. Did you notice that he referred to Ezekiel as son of man? You know, this phrase is used multiple times in this book. And the Lord is speaking, whenever the Lord is speaking directly to Ezekiel. And it means that Ezekiel is a mere man, but he's the very person that God's going to use to do what he needs to do. He's saying, don't, don't, I don't want you to think for a minute that this is about you because you're a mere man. He wanted to remind him. Sometimes God has to remind us, doesn't he? You're just a man. Do what I said. Do what I said. Verse 4 says, then he said to me, prophesy. The word prophesy means preach. Preach over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Listen, I have preached in a few dead churches <laughs> where I turn around and I take the pulpit and I'm going, wake up. And the Lord says, prophesy to them. 
That's hard. That's really hard. So he prophesied to the dry bones. Now, let me remind you that those bones have no ears. Have you ever thought about that? He said to prophesy so that those bones can hear what you say, but they don't have any ears. That's a powerful God that we serve, isn't it? And I love that because Ezekiel never said, what? You want me to do what? No, he just obeyed him. He just obeyed him. You see, this was not Ezekiel's first rodeo. He prophesied over inanimate objects before. Remember, he had just prophesied over the mountains. He was unmoved by this. I believe the significance of the command, hang with me just a second, lies in the fact that it taught the prophet that he was instrumental in the resuscitation. Instrumental in the resuscitation. I was in, the, uh, in our office praying with the leadership, as we always do before our meetings. And I looked at Marsha and I said, you have a responsibility for me. And I'm going to need you to take care of that. And the look on her face. Remember that. Hold on just a minute. God was saying to him, Say exactly what I tell you to say. Nothing more and nothing less. Obey me. He will send those with the most anointing to the deadest places. Why? It's kind of like taking a drink of water. Oh, it's good for the soul. But if I pour that glass all over me, then everybody's going to get wet. You see? So despite how crazy this command was and sounded to Ezekiel, he obeyed him. Faith is never needed to do the possible. He's standing there looking at those dry bones and he said, can they live? Faith is never needed to do the possible. God never asked us to do what's possible. If you're questioning, is this me or is this God? Can you do it by yourself? Then it's you. It's just that easy. God never asks you to do anything that you can do in and of yourself. Right? No. You do that anyway. So here was the message, very quick and simple. He said, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Sometimes you got to stop talking about a thing and start talking to the thing. And that's what was happening right here. It's really easy to tell everybody what your problems are and what the lack is. But sometime you got to stop talking about it and start talking to it. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. In the Hebrew right there, it means you shall live again. Oh, so you're telling me that I might be dead but you say I'm going to live again because you're going to breathe into me? Hmm. That's what he says. Verse 7, so I preached as I was commanded. His obedience produced immediate results. Even before he had finished. Wait a minute. And on the day of Pentecost, the four winds came. 
the breath of the Holy Spirit swept through the temple hall. Do you remember what happened? And a heavenly fire erupted. And those that had been dead before they came to life. And on the first day of Pentecost, no less than 3,000 people received this life from the Spirit of God. Revival had happened in the graveyard. That's not part of the story, but I had to tell you that. Before Ezekiel had finished prophesying, he was describing the miracle. Oh, he said there was a sound. He was hearing the fulfillment of God's promise. No, no, he didn't see it, but he heard it. Sometimes you got to hear it first, but he heard it. He was describing the miracle before he ever saw the evidence. You see, there was a rattling of bones colliding. I want you to think about it for a minute. So he's prophesying to these bones, and they're scattered all over for miles. And all of a sudden, there is a ruckus going. You see, the bones are colliding, and they're clapping. And he's watching this come to life. You know, some theologians describe it, you ready, as an earthquake. There was a rumbling when he spoke the word of the Lord. There was a rumbling on the ground, shaking like an earthquake. You see, now he could see corpses where before he saw what? Individual bones that weren't even near each other. They didn't look like a corpse. And all of a sudden, he starts prophesying and things start lining up. Exactly what he said happened. The bones came together perfectly and they were clothed with flesh. He watched as ligaments tie the bones together at every joint and muscle. The muscles appear and are joined by tendons to the proper bones. And don't forget the heart and the lungs and the internal organs taking their perfect place. Skin is wrapped around them. He literally watches while thousands of complete human skeletons become complete human bodies. I don't know about you. I just want to do that. I just want to use me for that, Lord. I don't want to just pray for the headache. God, I know you're the healer. I want to see them get up out of the, off their deathbed. If you'll use Ezekiel, he'll use me. He'll use you, Lisa. Sherry, he'll use you. He's no respecter of persons. But there was a problem. So now we had everything scattered. Now we've got structures, but there's a problem. Verse 9, there was no breath in them. And without the Spirit of God, oh, you got to hear this. Existence is nothing but flesh and blood. Did you hear me? There's no life. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no life. Flesh and blood. But no life. The Lord said to him, prophesy to the breath. Preach, son of man. I can just hear him. Preach, son of man. Prophesy. He's cheering him on, isn't he? He's cheering him on. Say to the breath, thus saith the Lord. Come from the four winds. 
north, south, east, and west. Blow, he sang. Oh, breath and breathe on these slain. What does slain mean? Murdered. Hold that just a minute. Breathe. Whew. On these murdered, slain. Breathe so that they might live. Prophesy to the breath. And then he calls him son of man. Oh, don't think this is you. He's reminding him. He's reminding him. You are walking and speaking in my authority. It ain't none of you. Just obey. That's, what's, that's what he's basically telling. You are walking in my authority. I want to show you something. The imperative of the word breathe is the verb napah in the Hebrew. And it means breathe or blow. It's the very same word in Genesis 2-7. And it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils. It's the same word. The breath of life. And man became a living being. Oh, he's still creating. And Ezekiel was given the task of summoning it in. So God's still creating. And he's using... Oh, really? So does that mean that he could use you and I to summon such a great work in? Ezekiel 10 says, So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them. And they lived. And they stood on their feet. An exceedingly, ar an exceedingly great army. I saw it. That's what he's saying. I saw it. He let me see it. Is spiritual revival possible today for the dry, dormant, sleeping giants? Did you hear that? We have some sleeping giants. I believe we have a few in the room. They just need a little resuscitation. So how would we know if we were dry? We talk about it. But how would we know? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 11 says, Then he said to me, son of man, reminder, sit down. You're just a conduit. Sit down. So he says, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, this is what these bones are saying. I want to know if you are in what I'm about to say. This is how you know you're dry. I'm going to go one step further. This is how you know you're dead. I'm not making it up. It's verse 11, chapter 37. This is what he said. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, this is what these bones are saying. Our bones are old and dried up. Our hope is gone. And we feel cut off and separated from God's help. Have you ever asked and you didn't see God move? 
Have you ever desperately needed something and he didn't move in your time frame? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about tonight. And the Lord, so this is what the bones are saying. We're dried up. We're going through the motions, if you will. You can go through the motions and still be dead. You can get up every day, get your shower, get your kids off to school, feed them, go to work, do everything you've got to do, and you are completely dead on the inside. That's what he's talking about. So they're saying we're dried up. Our hope is gone, and we are indeed separated from God's help. And the Lord said, oh, oh, oh no. That's what you think. He said, oh, I will open your graves and I will raise you from your graves, my people. I will snatch you out of that grave and place you back in the lush garden. From death to life, hallelujah. If you're feeling dry, you moved. If you're feeling hopeless, well, let me tell you a story. If you're feeling hopeless, don't raise your hand. But let me tell you a story. She lived with a wicked stepmother and two equally evil sisters. We're all influenced by a, by a wicked stepmother, and we're going to call her the enemy tonight. You see, there are two wicked daughters, and we're going to call them the world, and we're going to call them our flesh. So get that in your head right now, what I'm saying. The evil stepmother is the enemy with two daughters, flesh and the world. Well, this beautiful woman, you see, she was made to live as a slave. She's beautiful, but she didn't feel beautiful. She didn't think about herself as beautiful because, you see, she was being influenced in a wicked environment. Remember, we just talked about that. Influenced by a wicked environment that was constantly putting her down, constantly reducing her self-esteem to basically nothing. You see, she had been lingering too long in the unhealthy environment. Remember, I told you it would produce death of one kind or another. Well, the problem was is that she was in this environment and she was stuck. Why was she stuck? Completely hopeless. She was stuck with no one, no one, Marcia, to help her out. You've got a role to play in my life. No one to help her out. But one night, you see, there was an event and a series of miraculous interventions had to take place. She was taken to the ball in a jack, uh, not a jack, in a chariot. <laughs> and there she would meet a prince. He saw her and immediately fell in love with her. Do you remember the story? He immediately fell in love with her. But the problem with this story is that the clock struck midnight. And at midnight, she would become a slave again. To the stepmother and to these two sisters. Now, the good news of the story is that the prince never forgot Cinderella. 
Oh, there were a lot of people there that night. But there was something about Cinderella that made her different in the crowd. There was something about her. You see, everybody wanted the prince. Everybody wanted him. But he wanted Cinderella, the one. He wanted the one. The one that nobody cared about. The one that was made to feel less than. You see, that's who he wanted. The one. He spared no effort to find her, but all he had to go on was a beautiful slipper. He just needed to find the foot, Rhonda, that would fit that slipper. You see, he went from house to house. He was trying to find the foot. And finally, he came to Cinderella's house, and he put the shoe on her foot, and he had found her. Oh, he gave her a kiss, and I'm sure they twirled around the room a bit, and well, you know the rest of the story. He lived happily. They did ever after. I love this story. You know, a lot of Christians live just like this. We're living as slaves under the world, under the flesh, and under the enemy. Our bones are dry. We've lost our hope. We feel distant from God, and Satan has us in bondage. Yet every time the doors open, we show up for church, put on the face, completely dead, and nobody notices. You see, we're held hostage. We've had dreams murdered. Oh, you might have met the Prince of Peace somewhere along the way. And he saved you. But you see, in the midnight hour, you've gone back. In the midnight hour, you've gone back to the enemy and the two daughters. Suppose Cinderella had said, Look, Prince. I really like you and all. Like, I want the castle, and I really like the title. And I want the fancy clothes. But I don't really want a commitment with you. I just want the stuff. I just want the shoes that sparkle. But hey, I don't want to commit. I just want the stuff. Well, I'm sure the prince would have found somebody else. Because he wanted to find somebody whom he could love. Not just somebody who he would be used by. Did you hear that? Somebody he could love. Not somebody to be used by. I had a mic, I'd drop it right there because that messes me up to think that. We want the stuff, but we don't want the ring. 
you know, the band. Jesus doesn't want to buy you a new dress. He doesn't want to buy you a new car. And he doesn't want to buy you a new house. He knows right where you are tonight. He knows exactly what you're struggling with tonight. And he knows how long you've been dead. And ladies, he knows your shoe size. (laughs) Sheila Hunt, Princess Sheila. Mm -hmm. Princess Anne Askew, he knows your shoe size. He knows when you got to get out. When you will say yes, he knows Princess Jackie McCall. He knows when you're ready. I believe these are your size. There's something about knowing that we have the opportunity to slip on that shoe to make the commitment and to stop using the relationship because I'm telling you tonight, ladies, he wants to prophesy to your bones. Amen. That concludes today's sermon. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We pray that your journey in following Jesus has been encouraged and empowered through today's message. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website by going to r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.